Greetings, friends. I originally recorded this episode as a patron-only podcast that I released through my Patreon page. And if you want to know more about how to be a patron and support the Bible and Life podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash John Whitaker and check it out there. But after recording this and letting it uh, sit there for about a week, I just decided this material was really too important as a follow-up to last week's episode about judging and uh, dogs and pigs and the plank and all that. And so just decided I wanted to make this available to each and every one of you. Uh, There's some material on here just uh, really giving more illustrations as to what that superiority complex and plank eye actually looks like, as well as some spiritual practices for uh, removing planks from our eyes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Bible in Life. Hey, patrons, hope you are doing well. I want to say thank you so much for your generous, gracious support of The Bible in Life podcast and of my Bible teaching ministry. Uh, man, one of the things that is just so surprising to me is how with podcasts and things on the internet, it just can span the globe, and there are listeners to the Bible and Life podcast all over the world, in Uganda, in Thailand, in Australia, in New Zealand, we've had a listener in Lithuania, and Canada, United States, um, Great Britain, I mean, just all around the globe, and that's really made possible because people like you are helping support this work and this ministry that I really believe the Lord has called me to, so Thank you for being so generous. Thank you for your help. In fact, beyond the podcast, I just saw a video yesterday that was posted to my timeline by a missionary from the Philippines of uh, one of my online courses being used in a church down there in the Philippines. And that is just so encouraging and so exciting to know that uh, God is finding a way to use these resources to help strengthen His people and strengthen His church uh, in various parts of the world, not only here in the United States. So, to you who are supporting this work and this ministry as patrons of the Bible and Life podcast, thank you very much. And in this particular uh, patron-only podcast, what I want to do is I just want to follow up from the podcast I released uh, yesterday on my on the main Bible and Life podcast about Matthew chapter seven and blaming and judging and the plank in the eye that uh, we looked at there. So if you haven't listened to the original podcast, you might want to listen to that first because I'm only going to recap that briefly and then I want to follow up with some things from that. So you might check that out real quick first. But now let me just recap where we're at. Matthew 7, 1 through 6 is the passage where Jesus says, do not judge lest you be judged. For in the measure that you use, it will be measured out to you, right? And then he goes on and uses the imagery for this of uh, seeing the speck in a brother's eye, but not being able to see the plank in your own eye and, and calls us hypocrites when we do that. You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll be able to see uh, more clearly and accurately how to take the speck out of your brother or your sister's eye. And then he ends that by really restating, in my understanding, what he said in verses 1 and 2 in dramatic, picturesque language. He restates it by saying, how can you call people dogs and pigs and try to push your good things on them? If you do that, you're essentially, as we said in the podcast, judging and blaming. You're labeling, you're, you're deeming, judging these people as dogs and pigs. And then you're trying to force your good things on them. And he says, won't they reject those good things and then turn and tear you to pieces? They're going to judge you. They're going to attack you because you have labeled and judged them. And that's really what he said in verses 1 and 2 as well. So we looked at that text and 
we really enunciated that judging, when it says do not judge there, particularly when you look at it in the whole context, really has to do with blaming and condemning and fault-finding. And it's a problem that we humans have. We, we, can, we can slip in and out of this kind of posture of critique and fault-finding, what I call the superiority complex. We can kind of slip in and out of that in relationship to various people. Even throughout the course of the day, we can wake up in the morning and not have that attitude or that posture towards somebody. Something could happen. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, we're immediately in uh, that that posture. Kind of classic example of that is what happens when, uh, as a husband or a wife, you have a new baby at home and that baby starts to cry in the middle of the night. And when you went to bed, everyone was happy with each other, right? Husband and wife were in love with each other. There was no hard feelings, but now it's two in the morning and the baby is crying and the no one wants to get up and take care of the baby because everyone's exhausted. And so the husband's laying there pretending like he's, he's fast asleep. He even breathes a little harder and a little deeper. And as he does that, um, he's now the baby's crying louder and the wife's not getting up. And she's laying over there thinking, why in the world won't that jerk of a husband get up and help take care of the baby? And he's pretending like he's sleeping. And he's laying there actually thinking, why in the world won't my wife just get up? She's the only one who can feed Uh, the baby anyhow, and she needs to just take care of it. It's her job. And doesn't she know I got to get up at five in the morning to get ready for work? And in that moment, the crying of the baby, because no one would do what they knew they should do, the crying of the baby um, causes husband and wife all of a sudden to adopt a plank in their eye towards each other. They didn't plan on that. When they went to bed, it wasn't that way. They just slipped into it in that moment because of what happened in those circumstances. Um, same thing happens when we drive the car, right? We, we're driving down the road. We're in a good mood. Everything's happy. Oh, there's a little more traffic out than we thought. We start to get a little frustrated. Driver cuts us off, and boom, we slip right into sort of having a plank in the eye, and, and, and we start thinking that person is such a jerk. And before you know it, we're driving more aggressively. We're more frustrated. We arrive at our destination, and our adrenaline's running, and what happened, Right. So we can slip in and out of this problem so easily and so quickly, this blaming, condemning, fault-finding, superiority complex sort of posture towards people. It's a problem that decays marriages. It's a problem that fractures families, that ruptures friendships. It's a problem that can actually hinder sports teams or clubs. It's a problem that can actually undermine the health and well-being of churches. It's a human problem, and Jesus very insightfully um, diagnoses and addresses it there in Matthew chapter 7. And, and here's the thing about it is it's not just behaviors. It certainly evokes behaviors and includes behaviors, but it's, it's as much a posture towards a person um, as it is a specific behavior or a set of behaviors, right? And so your behavior, in other words, could actually be technically fine, and yet and yet, you still have this posture towards somebody else, and it taints, it colors the interaction. And the other person can sense it, right? Or when it's been done to you, a person's behavior can technically be right or fine, and yet you know there's sort of a, a superiority complex, a plank issue there. You can sense it. You can feel it, which is why changing behaviors in and of itself doesn't always work. 
because you can simply do different behaviors and still have a plank in your eye. You can even do kind of right behaviors with a plank in your eye, and the that that plank eye spirit can taint those right behaviors, and a person can just sense that something's off, something's not right. And then what happens is we try to actually force the good things on them. That's what Jesus says. You're trying to give them your sacred things, or you're trying to force your pearls to pigs, right? You try to give them the good things that you know they need um, because you actually know what's best for them because you can see it. And so you try to force or thrust your good things, your wise advice, your counsel, your, you know, all the things you know they need, you try to force them and they reject it and they actually get angry with us. And we can't figure out why, because it's like, well, we, you know, hey, we know what's best and we were just trying to help, right? And yet when you have that superiority complex, what it does, Jesus says, and what we see and experience is um, it invites kind of the same sort of response. And now that person has a plank towards us. And now there's this little tit for tat back and forth. There's harshness and that can even calcify and turn into sort of a fractured relationship, right? We know that. We've seen that. We've experienced that. We've done that. And what I what I noted in the original podcast was that uh, really the, the key to changing that, it's not in and of itself, it's not the whole of it, but it's the key. It's the key to changing that is humble self-reflection. When Jesus says, how can you see the plank in your brother's eye, but not see the log in your own? He's inviting you to change the way you see things, the way you view people and the way you look at yourself. First, take the speck out or the log out of your own eye. Then you'll actually be in a position to really help other people take the speck out of their own. There's this looking at ourselves. There's this humble self-reflection, this humble self-assessment. And that is the key to changing the plank eye spirit and the plank eye problem. Now, I want to clarify for you, my patrons, just a few thoughts on that. When we say humble self-reflection, that does not mean, oh, look at me, I'm so bad, I'm just a loser, I suck. Or, man, I'm just always wrong, aren't I, right? Or, I just got to think of myself as always the one who's at fault, and I just got to kind of bear my cross because that's just my problem, right? No, that's not what we mean by humble self-reflection, all right? Humble self-reflection means um, honest self-assessment, honest self-assessment, a realistic view of yourself, the recognition that there's the possibility that maybe you could be wrong. There's the possibility that um, maybe the other person has some insights that you don't have, right? And so honest self-assessment which includes questioning your own virtue, questioning your own rightness, and it includes seeing others as people with needs and feelings and hurts and hopes that are just as real and legitimate as your own. Those two parts. So when I say humble self-reflection, what I mean is honest self-assessment, which includes questioning your own virtue or your own rightness, and honest self-assessment, which includes seeing others as real people with Real feelings, ideas, needs, and hopes, and hurts, and all of that that are just as real and legitimate as your own. Okay, that's what I mean by humble self-reflection uh, on that. Now, a great little resource that could be helpful, uh, really helpful to you in 
understanding what Jesus is talking about more, even though it comes at it a little bit differently, um, is a book entitled Leadership and Self-Deception. Leadership and Self-Deception. Sounds like a leadership book, and in certain ways it is, but it, it really deals with, with this very issue that Jesus diagnoses here and does so in the form of a story. Um, so it's really easy to read. And the imagery they use is they use the imagery of a box. Being in the box or out of the box is roughly parallel to what Jesus means by uh, having a plank in your eye or not having a plank in your eye. So two different bits of imagery for the same human experience, okay? And this little book tells the story that helps us understand what it's like when we have a plank in our eye or in their imagery when you're in the box. And they talk about how it often begins with an act of self-betrayal, like in the case of that that couple in bed at two in the morning with the baby crying. And that self-betrayal is the husband knows he should just get up and help his wife who's exhausted. He feels that. He thinks that initially. He kind of has that initial thought, but he's so tired and he's got to get up in the morning himself that he pretends to be asleep. If he had just gotten up, taken care of the baby, and done so with a good and loving heart towards his wife, there's no issue. If he realizes, man, my wife has worked so hard and she takes care of the baby all day, I'll just help, right? But that this this plank in the eye in the language of self-deception begins when we betray what we know is right by another person who has real needs, real hopes, real desires, just as legitimate as our own, and we betray that desire to do what is right by them, to do what is good for them, and to see them as a person. We betray that desire, and we do something wrong. And then that leads to all sorts of other stuff that this book, Leadership and Self-Deception, kind of points out in the in the form of this story and helps us understand what Jesus taught but I think in a very insightful sort of way. So that's a great little resource. It talks about uh, self-justification. You know, once we d- adopt a plank in our eye or in their imagery, we have a we're in the box. Then, then we need the other person to be a jerk or to be as bad as we think they are to justify our what we know is our bad behavior towards them or our negative feelings towards them. And so we have to justify ourselves, which means they have to actually be a jerk or a bad person. So then we concoct that and we blow that out of proportion. Our mind, all this sort of stuff that we pretty much all of us have done or experienced in some sort of way. So I recommend that little resource to you as a helpful little tool to diagnose this more and to understand it more fully in yourself, in systems and in organizations and families and in people, uh, leadership and self-deception. Now, what I want to do in the remaining few minutes we have together is I just want to offer then some practices that foster this humble self-reflection and thus help remove the plank. All right, uh, this humble self-assessment that sees ourselves more accurately, sees others more accurately, and helps us remove the plank, or in the language of leadership and self-deception even, that helps us get out of the box. All right, so humble self-reflection, what are some practices that, uh, that will help us remove the plank and maybe even keep the plank out of our eye or be aware of a plank when we start to adopt it, all right? And I would just start with the very obvious and very simple one, it's this. Pray for God to help you see that that judging is a vision problem. Labeling, blaming, name-calling, fault-finding, condemning, and a superiority complex is a vision problem, right? How can we... How can we possibly see the speck in someone else's eye and not even be aware of the plank in our own? 
And thus, it's a vision problem. We need to see so we can see the plank in our own eye, that superiority complex, that critical fault-finding spirit, and remove that so that we see ourselves and we see others straightforwardly and more accurately. And so, pray for God to help you see. Pray for God to help you see. God, would you open my eyes to the ways I have a plank in my eye? Would you open my eyes to the people in my life that maybe I'm being resistant towards, I'm having a little bit of a hard attitude towards, that I have kind of this this guarded, tense wall towards, that I, I kind of look down on a little bit, or I, I think they got a problem, or I, I feel like they're an idiot or a jerk. God, would you just help me to see and be honest about that with myself and with you, God, and with others? And so, recommend that. Pray for God to help you see. Another spiritual practice that helps with this is just the practice of confession, being quick to admit when we have done something wrong, to confess and uh, ongoingly throughout the course of the day, uh, intentionally to confess our wrongs and not hold those things. Whatever those wrongs are, just begin to practice confession towards God um, and occasionally even towards people, right? Just confess because that, that makes us more vulnerable, more open, more humble, more honest with ourselves, and that's important, right? And so practice confession. If you want to really get deep with confession, one little spiritual practice I've recommended in the past is to, and this is dangerous, so you got to hear this right and you got to do this right, all right? But you've, you could write out an autobiography of sin. An autobiography of sin, just Reflect back over your life. You can't write out everything, but maybe hit the highlights of an autobiography of sin. Now, you got to do that with a full understanding of God's mercy and grace, recognizing that God is gracious and He loves you and your sins will not keep God from you, that He is poised and ready to forgive. If you can, if you can write out an autobiography of sin and lay it before God, this God of mercy and grace whose love is abundant and abounding towards us, Man, that's a powerful little exercise. And so write it out and just maybe even hit, just hit the highlights. Like for me, I, my first known sin was stealing grapes in the grocery store and stealing money off a dresser from a friend's house. Now, my mom caught me in both those cases and I was put in a position where I immediately had to own up to it and confess it. And it was painful, but it was so good for me. And I had a violent temper growing up. And so um, and just acknowledging that and even maybe remembering a few key episodes where I lost my temper, right? An autobiography and just kind of write out as a little narrative your story of sin and lay it before God and thank Him for His grace in loving you, loving you to the point of death and forgiving you, all right? And so that can be a helpful little practice for us uh, to help foster this self-honesty, this humility that helps us at least more often than not, remove the plank from our eye. Another spiritual practice that can be really, really helpful to us is self-examination. Um, just regularly in some intentional way examining ourselves. In fact, for a period in my life, I'm, I'm actually thinking maybe I need to get back to it. This, 
this uh, episode has actually prompted me to think I should restart that. I uh, for a number of years I had a little practice of I would end the evening with a series of about ten or eleven self-examination questions, and I would just had a little journal and I would just read down through these questions and I would just answer the questions. It's some with a simple yes or no, but it was just a way to examine my my day at the end of the day and then prayerfully thank God for where I did well and to confess where maybe I fell short. Um, I think that can be really helpful. So self-examination, whether it's that intentional or maybe you have some specific things you want to work on. And again, do so recognizing the goodness and the grace of God. There's Psalm 1912 that says, um, who can discern their errors? Lord, even forgive me for my hidden sins, for the things I can't see about myself. That spirit of being willing to just uh, acknowledge what I can see and recognize there's things about myself, my hidden heirs that I can't even see. God, forgive me even for those. That spirit begins to help us have that humble spirit where we're a little more honest with ourselves and we see people a little more graciously and realistically. One last little thing I want to mention um, in this this vein of... Um, spiritual practices that can help foster this is let me just read you a couple little excerpts from uh, a, a work from, oh, I don't know, 400 years ago by a Christian by the name of Jeremy Taylor. Jeremy Taylor um, wrote two little books. Uh, one was on uh, called On Holy Living, one was called On Holy Dying. But in the book On Holy Living, he gives all sorts of um, ways to cultivate virtue. And one of the ones he gives is, is uh, how to cultivate humility, how to foster humility. There is just a wealth of insights in what he writes. I just want to hit a few highlights because we're running short on time, but let me just hit a few highlights for you. One of the things that Jeremy Taylor says in this little, uh, this little chapter on cultivating humility is this. He says, um, when you hold an opinion of yourself, be content that others hold the same opinion of you. Now, do you get what he's saying? Like, if you think, well, I'm not very good at, and somebody happens to agree with you on that, don't be offended or don't be upset. Be grateful that you're seeing yourself accurately and they're seeing you accurately. This hold, if you hold an opinion of yourself, don't be offended if somebody else should think the same thing of you. And that can help you cultivate humility, right? Another one of the things he says is, uh, oh, let me just mention a couple more here. He says, um, don't constantly try to excuse all of your mistakes. We do that. Well, you know, or we make, we make excuses. Uh, we're quick to excuse. Well, I was in a hurry or, well, you know, or I was tired or, well, and we, we just make all these excuses. Well, guess what? He says, if you've made a mistake or an oversight or an indiscretion, confess it plainly for virtue scorns a lie for its cover. If you are not guilty, unless it be scandalous, don't feel the need to be overly concerned about changing everyone's opinion about the matter. If it's scandalous, it hinders the gospel, it's going to ruin your reputation. Okay, that's one thing. But sometimes people just have a wrong opinion of you. Um, And if that's the case, then be content just to let them have that opinion of you. Uh, Another one that he says is this. Um, Give thanks for every weakness, fault, or imperfection you have. Accept it as a favor of God, an instrument to resist pride and nurse humility. Have you ever thought of doing that? Thanking God for shortcomings, weaknesses, faults, even imperfections in you? Thank God for those things. 
Um, he mentions, um, be content when you hear or see others that are doing well in their jobs and with their income, even when you're not. Uh, be content when you see that. Maybe even be grateful that they're doing well. Uh, never compare yourselves with others, he says, unless it is to advance your impression of them and lower your impression of yourself. Don't compare yourself with others to do the opposite, where you want to put them down and raise yourself up. Only compare yourself with others when it helps you say, wow, look at that person. I'm really impressed by that. Man, that's great. They're so good at that. And it helps you maybe see an area where you need to grow. Well, there's a lot more in there that uh, could be mentioned. Just some really great insights. I think those are really helpful little suggestions from Jeremy Taylor. The main thing in this context is um, we want to develop the habit of humble self-reflection. In our relationships with other people, we want to we want to become soft towards and aware of when we're when we're resisting what we know is the right thing to do by them. To become soft towards when we have sort of a hard heart towards them, or to to not excuse it when we think, man, that idiot, the jerk, the little right. We want to become aware of that and not minimize or rationalize. We want to get rid of the spirit of blaming. We want to get rid of the spirit of labeling and condemning. We want to get rid of the superiority complex that thinks we always know what's right. We know what someone else needs. If they just would, we want to get rid of that. And humble self-reflection is the key. And so tried to offer here just some spiritual practices that can help you develop that sort of posture within yourself That's where it's easy for you to confess. It's easy for you to apologize. You're, you're getting quicker at recognizing your own weaknesses and your own part to play in a situation because you're practicing these things on a regular basis and thus you're, you're less quick to defend yourself and you're more quick to say, well, yeah, I can kind of see that. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do it that way. Will you please forgive me? And your spirit becomes soft. And you begin to see yourself more honestly. You see others more honestly. And then, Jesus says, you're finally in a position where you can really help people remove the speck from their eyes. All right. I hope some of that stuff is helpful for you. Thanks again for your generous support. Thanks for what you're doing to, to help spread some really what I think are, are hopefully some good Bible teaching resources, not just here in the States, not just to people that we know, but around the world, to people that we may never meet until uh, we're together in glory. And to know that your gifts and your resources helped people learn and live the Bible in places like Lithuania or Cambodia or Thailand. Um, man, just thank you so much for your generosity and what you're doing. God bless you guys. And we will talk to you next time on The Bible in Life.